I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Um, I am having intrusive thoughts. At the- well, that is not great. Let's see if we can well, distract you from that. Here's what they are. They're basically, you, you had told me to go nurse my hand, and I'm like, but my hand doesn't give milk. <laughs> like, I give milk to my hand. That's what keeps going through that my is- head, like in a loop. That is a that is a thing that happened, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. No, folks, uh, we are here to answer your questions because we got actually a pretty good number of them. Uh, if you are interested in having your question answered on any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in. You can send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We ask that you specify the show that it's for so that we can make sure that we get it to the right place. Uh, And if you don't want to email us, well, you can go ahead and hit us up on Discord. We have two channels set aside. We have one for Patreon supporters, which is the Patreon Q&N Podcast Questions channel, pretty aptly named. Uh, And we also have one for our non-Patreon supporters, because we know that not everybody can support us monetarily, but you listening to us and interacting with us is absolutely support. Uh, So you can go ahead and send those questions into the Q&N Podcast Questions channel. Uh, again, specify what show it's for. Otherwise, I'm going to have to wrestle with Matt. And I mean, he's already got a hand down right now. It's not fair. It's just not fair right this second. Well, he's got a bigger reach than I do. So maybe it is fair. I don't know. We'll figure that out. We're going to start with a question from our friend Titan Fuzz. With the Incarnates and all the other Proto Drakes having such a beef with the Dragons and the Titans, and what seems like a hatred for anything Titan influenced, why do they work with the playable races? If I'm recalling correctly, all of them are in some way Titan-forged. Is it because they have become fleshy and shed their Titan influence? Or is it a case of not having to create a new art asset, which is fine and totally understandable? I have opinions on that. Matt, do you have opinions on that? Um, Quite frankly, uh, I was trying to figure out exactly what we're going on here. I don't think it's a case of them, you know, oh, you're fleshy, so you're okay now. I think it's a case of useful idiots. 
Um, I mean, the, you're not wrong. The, pro- the proto-drakes are completely willing to use mortals to do their bidding because that is the only fit use for them. But when they're done, uh, you saw the primalist future. If you've been in the game, you see what's coming. It's it's eventually going to be a destroyed world with the elements rampage across it again, just like it was before the coming of the old gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> at least that seems to be what they're going for. Uh, and anybody who serves them is going to end up living on that hellhole. That is what they want. And that's what you're going to get if you help them. Yeah. And uh, we've and, seen this in the past too, right? Like we've seen other cosmic entities using fleshy beings that you wouldn't think they normally would. It's the thing is, is I don't think it's a question of the, the primalists are not doing anything. anything. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this properly. You can hate these various Titan forged races and use them in your scheme just fine because you know they're going to end up against the wall when you're done. They're chaff. You know? Yeah. They, they don't. Sure, we hate them, but they're going to die anyway. Yeah, they, they might as well die doing what I want. You know, it's it's not a question of they don't only pick the people they like to serve them. They don't like anybody. They don't even seem to like each other that much. Mm, yeah. Ele- elementals in particular fight all the time. Uh, if there's not enough spirit slash anima slash whatever on a world, the elementals will fight. That's what happened on Azeroth because the the entity inside the world was taking almost all of it. So the elementals were fighting over the re- the scraps. That's how when when the old gods came to Azeroth, that's what they found the the various elemental lords battling over the scraps of anima. And once they were subjugated, they the old gods could then build their you know their black empire. Uh, I, I don't again. I, I just I don't think it's a case of sure we hate these guys, but maybe they're okay. No, it's we hate these guys, and it's perfectly acceptable to use them to undermine the Titans' own creation by convincing them that the Titans have lied to them, and then when we're done, they get to live in elemental fighting forever warland. It's the same reason that they're willing to use Drakenkind and Drakenoids and uh, everything else in between. Because the look at uh, Aranog. Aranog is the first boss in Vault of the Incarnates. He makes a deal with the Incarnates. He makes a deal to get all sorts of power and everything else. But he's still a Titan Forge creation, technically. He's stemmed from them uh, or was well, created by is, them. It's interesting, too, because that's an actually a really good example of would serve them the the primalists don't say oh and by the way we're going to destroy the world no and they they tell him the titans have lied and the dragons are keeping the draconids down you guys were here for ten thousand years doing just fine and all of a sudden the dragons come back and you're expected to to serve them and aranog is not the only draconid who's like no i why don't you know we see that there's traitors mm-hmm. uh, if you go to uh Valdraken, when you do the, the intro quests, you're asked to help find them. And there's there's Drakenids who are like just straight up like, you know, it's great and all that you guys are back and everything, but I don't see why I should have to suddenly do what you tell me. I've been keeping this place going. You know, me and my kind have been keeping this place going this whole time you were off on your, your adventure outside of the Dragon Isles. Now you're back and you expect us to be your servants. There's lots of ways to get people to do things that might not if you if you look at things a certain way they might seem like a really bad idea um the old joke about you know oh no when i voted for the leopards eating faces party i didn't know they were going to eat my face uh it's like that these people have basically joined the dragons eating everything party and they don't think they count in the everything but they do like there's a really good example of this like in i hate to 
talk about the raid again, but there's a really good example about this in in the raid. And when you defeat the Dathia, Dathia yeah, yeah, okay. When you, de- you were going there. when you defeat the Primal Council, Dathia is the only one that that lives and teleports literally just above the main chamber, uh, where you get to basically see, or well, it's off to the side before teleporting to the top, where she makes a deal with Razageth. And it's, I need more power. I can't complete this. Uh, you know, they've defeated us. They defeated the entire council. I'm the only one that's left. And Razageth gives Dethia the power. Zero, zero question, zero concern. Because Razageth says, the power will kill you. It's going to kill you. Uh, do what you need to do before then, but you're dead already. And there's no remorse. There's no anything there. But Dethia sort of accepts it with a zealot's fervor. And that's another key factor here as well. So, like, the Incarnates don't care. They're, they're, they're foot soldiers. The Primalists are just a means to an end. They're going to be wiped clean at some point. Uh, dragons are going to rule everything. So they don't, or dra- proto-dragons are going to rule everything. And elementals are going to run free. They don't care. But the Zealots are buying into it. And we've seen this with, like, the Twilight Cultists. We've seen this with Twilight's Hammer. We've seen this with... Uh, all of the religious devotees that worshipped the, uh, essentially the Lich King and, and everything that it stood for. The Burning Legion had people who were like, "Yay!" Yeah, you know, the, and we, they we knew full well what was coming. Yeah, they, they were like, "Yeah, the the Legion's coming. This world will be destroyed." And, and you're happy about that? You're cheerleading that? Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's useful for the incarnates because at that point it's like why why not just use the foot soldiers why make good uh proto drakes or incarnate drakes or elementals die when you just have a willing ready body of zealots to to fling at people to to distract to weigh down the adventurers because really that's what they're doing right like that's sort of the whole point of vault of the vault of the incarnates everything that is thrown in front of you every boss Everything is just a distraction. It's just there to slow you down till Razagath can open the vaults and free their friends. Uh, Taros, the elemental, is being summoned by a bunch of primalists. What's the first thing that Taros does when he wakes up? Kills all of them except for two that run away screaming. Uh, there's a giant ice spider. And when you go up Senarth's room, like... After you kill Senarth, walk back down. Don't take the teleporter. Take a couple seconds. Walk down. If you didn't notice it, there's a bunch of humanoids wrapped up in spider webs all up and down that chamber and on the wall and everywhere. Well, it's not us. Who do you think it is? It's the primalists. Because, again, they're just a means to an end. They don't matter. And that's really all it is to it. It's... Matt said, "You can make them any promise. Yeah, you can make them any promise. You can tell them anything they want to hear. You can promise them power, vengeance for their dead brother, whatever you want. Uh, Some of them are like, um, oh bloody heck, the Grim Totem. I can't remember his first. Kurog. Kurog. Some of them like Kurog, and who's just like a believer. Like he believes the elements are like infallible and can be trusted, Uh, which is you know kind of naive for a shaman. But there you go. Uh, And we some of them are." Hmm? I was gonna say we still don't know what uh, if that was with uh, Magtha's uh, Magatha. Sorry, that is the actual yeah. pronunciation. Magatha's blessing or not? Either we don't yeah, know. We have no idea. Yeah, uh, she might be showing a blade, or for all we know. Uh, but yeah, there's, so there's there's a lot of different 
angles to this, but basically it all comes down to you can tell the rubes whatever you want to tell them in order to get them to do what you want, because in the end, you're just going to dispose of them anyway. It, it's like a bunch of, it's literally like buying a bunch of Bic razors. You don't keep them. You use it. It's okay. It's now it's hurt. Whatever. Throw it aside. Get somebody else. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's nothing new. And I hate to say it like that, but it's it's a cycle we've seen continue for a number of years uh, across all of the big bads. They always have devotees that are ready to listen to their message. And that's partially because Azeroth, for all of the good that it has on it, is not necessarily a super hospitable place. Let's be honest. A lot of bad things have happened here. We've gone through countless wars. We've gone through intergalactic, interdimensional conflict. Uh, We've literally had the planet stabbed with a giant sword. And everything that's happened from the War of the Ancients all the way through has affected common people. Matt and I, I think we had an episode, I want to say it was like a year ago now, where one of you asked us what we thought the common folk made of things like the torn up things in, uh, I think it's Westfall, uh, when you're going through and seeing the farmlands just completely tore up and having giant tornadoes and things in there, they're affected by this, right? And if something comes along and says, listen, like all of this is the, the Titan's fault in general, we can give you a way to get your life back or to seek revenge or to, to make yourself whole again or or any number of, like Matt said, promises, you have a ripe audience willing to accept that message. When Matt talked about the Legion, I don't know if people remember this before Legion. And I think before burning crusade, even there were doomsday callers that were in cities Mm -hmm. and they would sit there with their placards talking about the end of the world, but they're not just there as like a funny nod. Uh, Maybe they are partially, but they're recruiting. They're recruiting people into these doomsday cults. They're recruiting people that have been disenfranchised, the people that have suffered, the people that are continuing to suffer as a result of what's happening in the world. And, of course, if something comes along and offers them power when they're powerless or revenge when they've had to bury their family or when they've lost everything, their home, I don't know, maybe a tree burned down and all of your friends went with it because there's a lot of night. There's a lot of. Night Elves, and I'm I'm using this in air quotes, um, there's a lot of character models that are Night Elves in the Primalists as well. That's not a mistake. There's there's at least one straight-up Night Elf. You go to uh, the the, uh, Onaran Plains, the main Primalist there. That is a Night Elf. Yeah. That is a Night Elf right right down to the burned face from Teldrassil. Yeah. That woman was on Teldrassil when it burned. Uh, So, yeah, absolutely. A lot of people. I mean, keep in mind, too, it's been three years since he has a Shadowland. Which means it's been five years since the beginning of Shadowlands. And at this point, how long since Battle for Azeroth? Six years? Seven years? Seven years, I think. So, seven years ago, her home got burned down. And, you know, did they didn't get revenge for it. They barely managed to take back the land that they had had, that the Horde had taken. They don't have they a new pushed, home. Yeah, they pushed the Horde out. Apparently, they're living in Hyjal. But even then, what does that even mean? Yeah, we don't know. We haven't seen anything from it. We don't We don't know what that's like. And what's right at the edge of Hyjal? Yeah, Ashara. No, the elemental plane of fire. Oh, right. Yeah, it's right in there. It's literally right there. We never tucked it away. We never stopped it. Shaman routinely go there through that entrance. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people. We saw people who just after the Horde burned down the uh, Alliance Zones and Cataclysm, we saw that several Night Elves joined the Fire Druids. 
Yep. And now, you know, the seven years after Teldrassil gets burned down. Yeah. yeah I see a lot of people who don't think much of the current situation and who'd want to do just about anything. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, the entire, the entire recruiting drive for the, for the demon hunters was basically you lost everything and no one will help you uh, come. I will make you strong and you will get your own revenge. Yeah, I will help you help yourself. It's, I mean, it's, it's a classic story and it's an easy one to understand with the races of Azeroth that aren't the heroes. Right. And there's also another factor too, which I don't think we talk about enough in the story of the game world. We do not know what the average citizen actually is told. Right. So like we as heroes know the full story. We know everything. We are there. And so are the faction leaders to an extent because we report to them. We don't know what's being passed down to the people. In in the real world, peasants weren't really told anything. Like they were given whatever was necessary to get them to do what they needed to do. And that was really about it. They didn't bring matters of state to their attention. They didn't tell them when nobility died. That wasn't immediately ones that they served as serfs or vassals. None of that was really done to done for them. And it's, we don't know if that's the case here. And over the last couple of years, the last almost decade in game, what has the Alliance done? What has the Horde done for its average citizen? We went to war a bunch of times. All of the great heroes and many of the faction leaders got sucked into the realm of death. And we freed an old god and caused a whole lot of ruckus. And we still don't know what that would have caused or what, what the aftermath of that is either. And what happened around the area that we hit Nazoth with, because that's not even been explored yet. It's it's an interesting dynamic because the average citizen really doesn't have incentive to not take a bargain. So that's a really long answer, but I hope it gives you some some clarity. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one, I think, though. Um, this one is from Gulv. Oh, ye watchers of lore. Where do you think Dragonflight will lead into next beyond the primalists? Are they... Old God nut jobs or other options are the elemental lords beyond what we have met in the Shaman Order Hall. Could the primalist be an elemental aspect versus Titan aspects? I'm going to let Matt talk because I think he's talked about this before with the, well, we both have, but the elementals really come up a lot. Yeah, I think, I don't think it's going to be, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be elementals versus Titans. Exactly. Um, I definitely think that the, the incarnates are the elemental version of an elemental aspect. I mean, of of an of an of an aspect, they're basically invested with power by the elemental lords because they want something. And I've talked about it before. We've we talk a lot about the old gods dominating the elementals, but we don't talk about how they did it. And they did it with something called the cipher of damnation, which is if you remember to what happened at the end of the war of the three hammers. That's right, dwarf history. Uh, at the end of the war of the three hammers, after Modgood had re- attacked Grim Batal and died. She she died attempting to destroy take over uh, Grim Batal. Mm-hmm. The uh, two forces of the Wild Hammers and the Bronze Spears fought their way through uh, what is now Dunmorough and into what is now uh, you know the Searing Gorge. Uh, it was not then; it was all part of the same mountain. Route. They fought all the way to the foot of the the Dark Iron Bastion, uh, Black Rock Mountain, and below it uh, you know, the city of Tharasan which was basically around the uh, base of the mountain, not inside it. Desperate, Thorasan used a, a magic that he learned somewhere. And keep in mind that his wife was carrying around a piece of an old god for a while there. Yep. 
Zalatath was definitely in, in 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 the vicinity. Yeah. So we don't we don't know where he got it, although that certainly is suspicious. Uh, but what it was was a a piece of the cipher of damnation. Unfortunately, Thorson was not strong enough to get to use it fully. When he cast it, he ripped Ragnaros the Fire Lord out of the uh, Fireland. Mm-hmm. He didn't summon him to Azeroth. He didn't call him there. He ripped him there. He tore him out of the, the Titan prison and smashed him into the world. And as you might expect Ragnaros to do, he protested. His protest took the form of a fireball that completely consumed most of the of the Searing Gorge and Burning Steps. The reason that those places look like they do is because Ragnaros touched the world at that point. Um, <clears throat> essentially, the explosion was so powerful that the armies of Dark Irons, I mean, the armies of uh, Bronzebeards and and uh, Wildhammers who were coming for the dark for the Dark Irons assumed they were destroyed. They saw that like that whole area just went up. It would be like if you were like you imagine a, a, an army like say around the the Renaissance, uh, a you know a complicated, sophisticated army of riflemen and pikemen and you know crossbowmen, and they're all massing together and climbing over a hill, and then someone drops a nuke on the other side of the hill. You bet they turn around and go. Because what are you going to do about that? Like, either they're dead, or I don't know. But there's nothing we can do about that. So they just turned around and left. They had no idea that the Fire Lord was currently within Black Rock Mountain. They had no idea he was currently enslaving the, what remained of the Dark Irons. They, As far as they knew, the Dark Irons were dead. So that that cipher, that thing used by uh, the first the, by, by the first Thorasan, um also used by when, Gul'dan 1.0. Yeah, but but that's later. Uh, when when that happened, that was because it hit the cipher had originally been used by the old gods to to basically defeat all four of the elemental lords and mm-hmm. bind them. Because elementals are beings like kind of of this reality, but also of another higher plane. They're like they descend. Like we've seen elemental type spirits in other worlds. We've seen them in the Shadowlands. They're like incarnations of the world itself, for lack of a better word. They're like living conceptual pieces of it. Uh, <clears throat> bound as they were, they had to serve the old gods. They didn't do it willingly. They didn't want to serve the old gods. They don't like the old gods. The old gods came in and wrecked their perfectly good planet full of elemental chaos. They would much prefer to be in charge of their own destiny. And they've been in that bondage ever since. Mm-hmm. And when the Titans showed up, first the first of the Titan Forge did when they showed up, the, the the Watchers and such guys like Odin and Tyr and Thorim, they came and they they defeated the old the uh, Elemental Lords as they would have had to because the Elemental Lords were serving the old gods. I, the Elementals don't particularly hold that part against them. the part they hold against them is the part where they then after they beat the old gods and locked them up, created a prison plane and stuck them in it. They took the Elemental Plane, which already exists every world has one it's like a place where elementals live in it's a, it's similar to like the the emerald dream or even the shadowlands it's a boundary condition where there's elemental beings that where they go to and come from the titans made it a prison just like when sargeras was fighting the demons and he couldn't stop them from coming back when they died he made a prison called mardun and locked them in it that's what they did to the elementals and then they left Think about that for a minute. They could have freed them. They could have said, hey, this is the natural order of things, and you were here first, and, you know, 
we 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 helped free you from the influence of the old gods go about your business but nah they said we're going to turn your base of power essentially your home into a prison because we can't have you eating the spirit that azeroth needs you need to be severed and cut off from this plane of existence so they're not happy and with rightly so yeah, I mean, they have a point. Nothing they're saying, nothing they're saying is is a lie from their perspective. I'm not, I hate to Ben Kenobi it, but from their point of view, everything they're saying is true. Mm-hmm. And the way the Titans are, the Titans are not great at explaining or even discussing what they're doing, and neither are their servants. Uh, that amongst each other, they they take a certain tact of conversation, and they don't bother to tell us what's going on, most of them, because we're not really within their notice. It's like, Tyr was one of the first who actually started to think about mortals and the role that they play in this whole thing. Yeah, what is it? What is it? The dog doesn't have tea with the fleas? Yeah, you know. Lion doesn't have Congress, doesn't ask the sheep's opinion, uh, that sort of thing. It's It's interesting... I think that all of this is so that they can get out of the elemental plane, which they don't want to be trapped in. They want to come back and, and be able to like exist on Azeroth. And also, they're still bound by the Cypher of Damnation. They were never unbound. They were never freed, which meant they were never freed from it, which is mm-hmm. why it pulled Ragnaros across dimensional barriers. They want out of that. They do not want to be subject to the will of anybody. Titan, Old God, doesn't matter. They don't want it. I think they're I think they, you know, you'll notice that when, when, uh, oh, bloody heck, we just, she, Razageth, when Razageth was attacking, uh, Nefarian, not Nefarian, Notharian, sorry, when she was attacking Notharian, the old gods grabbed her and sent her away at his request. She wasn't working for them. She was taken advantage of by them, but she wasn't working for them. I don't think this is a case where, the elemental lords are serving the old gods, at least not directly, at least not, you know, nothing that they want to do involves that. I think they want basically to get out of all possible bondages. Yeah. And I think that's been their game from the beginning, right? Like even what we did as player characters with as shaman in the order hall, we still bound them. We bound them to essentially working for us uh, and like propping them up, putting certain ones in charge, uh, putting other ones like fighting against them the, so that they could, you know, have different ones in charge and put other ones down. It, it We meddled. We meddled in that and we sort of bound them to us as uh, at our beck and call. We did the same thing that every other large cosmic entity uh, has done since encountering them, which doesn't sound that all like it maybe not doesn't sound bad to you, but to them, that's ridiculous. We could have, especially as the shaman, we could have freed them. We've had we've had pieces of the cipher of damnation in our hands. Uh, there is an entire quest line in uh, Burning Crusade where you go and grab the three separate pieces of the cipher of damnation uh, and then work with Ornok Tornhart, I think is who it is uh, to call yep. forth the really nice green axe. You get from that, by the way. Really nice green axe. Um, but you'd use it to call back, uh, call forth uh, Cyrook, the fire Lord. I think it is. Yeah. Cyrook, the fire Lord of he's the fire Lord for outland. You see him again, actually, if you go to um, Draenor, I believe he is one of the fire Lords you see there too. He is. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the, the the point of that, that I'm saying is like, instead of freeing him, you summon him and kill him. 
which just sends him back to the fire realm. And you have the cipher in your hands. You could have reverse engineered it. You could have tried something to free him, but he knows that you helped to like summon and, and send him back to the elemental planes. The elementals know we had it in our hands and we chose not to do anything with it. Of course, they're not answering our calls right now. Of course, you know, they're going to look for ways around that. If we didn't free them and the Titans won't free them and the dragons won't free them and all these cosmic entities won't free them, then it's it's like it's like the, the old. Uh, uh, why can't I remember the name, name of the movie now? Uh, baseball with uh, Major League, where Serrano says enough. I'll do it myself. They're just doing it themselves. They're finding somebody else to do it with them or for them. And it just happens to be the incarnates. And it would make sense, right? Because even back then, and Matt and I have talked about this, it's the only thing that makes sense. Where are they getting their powers from? Well, if they're concerned about the natural order and the incarnates hate the Titans, so do the elementals. And if the proto-dragons existed at the same time as the elementals and everything was honky-dory back then, yeah, they'd probably accept that power and go hell for broke. So I don't think we're going to get old gods. I don't think we're going to see much about it aside from context. Like, we're definitely going to get some context about, like, what it was before the Black Empire was the Black Empire. We're probably going to get some more context of the war between the elemental lords and the elementals and the, the, the Black Empire and the old gods. And the reason I bring that up is because we've already kind of seen it a little bit by going back in time. So revisiting that and seeing, like, where where things went sideways and how things played out makes sense to me, at least. So after we're done with the incarnates, we're probably going to go after the elementals and figure out what the heck is going on. At least in my opinion, that's where we're going. And then eventually we'll deal with the Titan stuff, but that's, that's later. That's maybe just going to be context for, for this expansion. We'll move on to it in the next expansion. Maybe, but I think that answers that question. Unless there's anything else you want to add, Matt? I mean, Again, as is often the case, yes, but we really don't have time. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to our next one, which is from Crunker01. How would you feel about a Caverns of Time-esque expansion? The zones could be current zones, but in the past, for example, the Kingdoms of Lordaeron before the war or time before the Sundering. Raids could be key moments in history that the Infinite Dragonflight is trying to change or even a new temporal threat of some sort, or could be used as a reason to revisit some old content that Blizzard had cut from previous expansions. Well, I'll start with Matt again. I mean, Honestly, we've talked about this, right? I think we're there. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, we've done a lot, a little bit more time shifting than normal today. Uh, this, this expansion's got a whole quest line where you go jumping around timelines. You even make a Murloc timeline. Uh, good job guys. As Murloc uh, was great. Mission accomplished. We, we must preserve the sanctity of the timeline. Everyone just kind of like, are we going to do anything about it? No, no, we're not looking at it. Don't look directly at it. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to just get like a, you know, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey expansion. I, I don't. I think that Blizzard has has kind of gotten gun shy on the idea of getting too weird. Um, every time they try, uh, like Warlords of Draenor, Warlords of Draenor was like an out of out of the out of the woods expansion. Everyone's like, "What? We're doing what? We're going to another t- universe? Like, what? What are you talking about? It's an alternate time way? What is that?" So they did that, and it ended up not working out as well as they hoped for a lot of reasons. Uh, a lot of which was basically that they had a great leveling game and, and not much beyond it. Uh, then we went to Legion and everyone's like, yay, this is what we wanted. 
and then we did Battle for Azeroth. And it was like, oh, this is kind of getting heavy. And then we did Shadowlands. And we were like, what is even happening? So I don't expect that something that would require as much player thinking about it for lack of player contemplation on the subject of time travel is a lot of people don't really get time travel. Like they're like, I don't understand. And you're like, okay, simple time travel thing. Oh, but that doesn't make any sense. Like you, you just don't think causally, just think about it from, uh, from subjective time frames, and you're fine. And they're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think I can't see a way for Blizzard to want to do all the effort it would take to get that comprehensive. You'll notice doctor who cheats in that very rarely does he use time travel except to go places. Like he doesn't go, Oh, well, the Cybermen are coming, and I know that now, so I'll just go back in time to before they come and stop them then. That's not how Doctor Who works. That's not how... It, time travel in that is just a convenience for having adventure. I, I think that that's the only way they could do it and make it work, and I don't think they're going to want I I think they will keep time travel elements in, in various stuff. I definitely think we're going to get more of the infinites in this example. Agreed. Um, but I don't think we're going to get a flat-out, you know, the entire expansion is us you know, leaping through time, putting right what's went went wrong and hoping this time the leap is the one that leads to like really good epic loots. I don't think that's going to be. We, we, we are not going to be the quantum leap reboot. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it, by the way, unrelated. Well, I guess it's somewhat related, you, uh, but yeah, I haven't seen it. Anyway. Yeah. My, my take on this is whilst I do think we will get time, time travel stuff in future expansions. I think we're definitely getting some in this expansion because we've already done it and I'm positive. There's more one of my candidates for where we're going after uh 10.0.7 is the uh, elemental plane of, of one of the elemental planes or all of them. Uh, but another is time travel. Mm-hmm. It's the black empire. Uh, we could definitely end up having to go to the black empire. I mean, one of the new events that they just literally added to the game is primalist future. Right. It is an entire thing where you go to the future that was prophesized or shown or what like is the reality of what happens if we lose uh, that the portal's been open this entire time. Right. So like time travel is here. It is a thing that we are constantly dealing with and probably will continue to deal with at the very least as a vehicle to continue the story forward. Uh, What you're saying is it's nothing new, right? Like, I don't think we need an expansion dedicated purely to it, but I do think it's going to be omnipresent for a while. I think it's going to be something that we see a lot of. Uh, it's going to be punctuated moments. Uh, and what you're describing is things that we've already seen, thankfully, uh, in the past. Like, you're talking about raids that were large lore moments or big story moments and big events. We've had that. Quite, quite literally, not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. Um, you know, we've been to Hygel again. We relive the the Warcraft three moments. Uh, we've gone through and uh, seen the future of of what the uh, the Twilight uh, that was supposed to come and, and hit everything. But we're probably going to get more of it as we move forward. I think it will always be a punctuation. I don't think it will ever be its own thing. And I think Matt's right. I think it's, and it's not to say that like players are dumb or anything like that it has nothing to do nothing with, to do with being dumb. You can be really smart and not get that. You can be of middling intelligence like myself and have absolutely no trouble with it. Uh, it. It comes down to some people have a really strong, strongly rooted sense of what is and isn't sensible. Mm-hmm. 
and time travel is inherently nonsensical to those people because it's not how their entire in real in life if you if you don't think about it too much you go straight from moment to moment you don't ever just go okay now i'm now now i'm 10 years ago now i'm back to now that does not happen at least not to most of us to some of us it happens but you, you see what i'm saying though that the, their way of thinking is just that's it goes from point a to point b that's just that is how life usually works so if you don't like time travel it's not necessarily that you don't get it it's that you don't your brain is like this does not make sense. or and and to be perfectly honest some people just don't like it uh they it's not even a question of comprehension they can understand it just fine and just don't care for it which is perfectly valid um so I don't know. I don't think it's something that we're going to see as a dedicated expansion, which I think is fine. Uh, I don't think it's really going to hurt anything in the grand scheme of things. But if as long as World of Warcraft, I think that time travel has always worked best when it is something that is the source of adventure or what have you, but is not the focus. Yes. Uh, the, the Caverns of Time original purpose, which was there's a dungeon that you use a few dungeons here. And they're related to these moments in time. And it basically exists to allow you to go see stuff that's not taking place now. Uh, and that's great. And I would never want that to be gone. Uh, I would love it if we got other ones that were just, okay, the infinites are doing something weird during this period of time. Go back and stop the trolls from killing all humans before they get a chance to lie with the elves. Because they shouldn't be trying to do that. Uh, you know, stuff like that. That's great. Give me more of that. But, but the entire expansion of it... I, I really feel like it'd be very hit or miss with the, the fan base. I, I also think it would tend to be a little more disjointed too, right? Like there's part of the thing we talk about a lot here is the desire to have a cohesive story. Warlords of Draenor had a little bit of that, that mishmash, right? It had a little bit of that disjointed feeling. And I think players really did not care for it. Whereas having story where it has the beats that you go along with and having these punctuation moments makes more sense. Having an entire expansion of nothing but uh, non-linear moments, I think would be really, really hard. Um, I think storytelling wise, it would be a, a problem. I think it would be a challenge. Not that I'm saying that the team couldn't come up with something that, that tries to make it make sense, but why make it harder for everybody? So I think it'll continue to be punctuations. Uh, and I hope we see more of it beyond this expansion because I do actually like it. I think it's really cool moments that help punctuate some really neat elements of the story. So, but I think we are going to move on to our next question here, uh, which is from pint size fury, a gnome warrior. Love the name. Curious about Outland Dragons still being able to lay eggs. Until the Dragon Isles opened back up, dragons were not laying eggs after cats, right? Uh, and uh, by cats, they mean cataclysm. What is the reason? I was just going to say, well, what, what do the cats do? <laughs> cats? Cats? What did you do, cats? They took all the eggs. Uh, what if the reason Outland Dragons could lay eggs was because spirits still on Outland? Now that the Titan facility on Dragon Isles opened back up or turned back on, allowed Azerothian Dragons to lay their eggs again. What if they need a Titan facility on the Dragon Isles to siphon the spirit back to them to be able to lay their eggs once again? Uh, I highly recommend that you listen to some of our older shows because that, that is exactly the premise that I, I posited three, four weeks ago, something like that, maybe more. Yeah. I don't know if, if the this, this specific thing he's saying about spirit is what we said, but I, I do recall us discussing possible reasons why 
this is what's happening. And it is very similar to this question. Yeah. I definitely, <clears throat> I don't think Outland is necessarily chock-a-block with spirit because it's a blown up planet floating in the twisting nether. I just think it's that it's not on Azeroth. You know what I'm saying to you? Like, I think it is very much the, the concept that Azeroth has got a system going that keeps dragons from being able to lay their eggs properly un- unless the power of the aspects is in a certain because they could lay the they were laying eggs without the dragon isles for millennia mm-hmm. that wasn't the problem it wasn't that they it wasn't they didn't have access to you know the uh halls of infusion it was that they stopped being aspect and that's i think the oath stones which is what you you were saying isn't it joe that you talk about the oath stones oath stones being like a focal yeah. point to transfer things yeah. back yeah yeah so Definitely is something we've talked about before. And yeah, absolutely. There is there is something hinky about all this. Absolutely. Agreed. Uh, but I don't think there's much more to add to that one. So we're going to move on to our next one, which is from MKR Nova. Uh, hello, been listening to Spotify. So catching up on the shows and loving it. I got a question on Diablo. Tyrael has been helping out since Diablo 2, right? But after the events of Diablo 3, I feel like maybe they're leading to him turning on the humans and attacking Sanctuary. More so seen, we took down an Archangel that had the power of all seven prime and lesser evil. What do you think maybe make for a good DLC for Diablo 4 or be the story for the fifth? What do you think? Is there anything to the lore that leads one way or the other? Uh, and again. I believe there's a PS. Uh, I just listened to the episode that had a question on the battle uh, pet squirt from WoW. Uh, she is the name of the vendor in Act 2 Desert Camp Diablo 3. She's a little girl, and there is a necklace you get in the game named after her. Just a fun fact. <laughs> I actually totally forgot that that was the thing that happened in the those two, so fantastic. But I'm going to turn this over to the Diablo man, because it's a Diablo question. i got to give Matt for a cr- first crack at it. You're just trying to keep me from drinking. That's what this is. You see me reaching for that bottle, and you're like, "No, no all those cameras, for you. all those cameras I installed in your house for good, re- good reason." <laughs> anyway, um, basically, uh, I don't, I don't even know if Tyrael is going to show up in Diablo Four. Quite frankly, um, he might be up in heaven because remember he took on that job as one of the members of the Injurious Council after the whole deal. So he mm. might be up there. He might be up there doing the aspect of wisdom thing, uh, which is. Pretty ironic that he took uh, Malthiel's job and then Malthiel showed up and almost killed everybody. It's like, dude, don't take Malthiel's job. He's real sensitive about it. But it, I, I don't necessarily know one way or the other about if Tyrael's going to come and, and kick our butts. But he's definitely concerned. You see that at the end of Diablo 3 uh, when when you're doing the end of Reaper Souls and you've beaten Malthiel, uh, Tyrael's like scared. Like he he's legit scared of you because you're not, you're, you're stronger than anything that's out there i honestly wonder if at some point we'll find out that Tyrael tricked the nephilim and they the reason that heaven is sealed up is that they've sealed the nephilim up in it to try and keep him out him or her sorry them try to keep them out of of sanctuary and and you know to keep them from inspiring the other mortals to become like him or her sorry i keep doing that because that's like the reason the injurious council and the, and the demons are both interested in Sanctuary when you come right down to it, uh, whether their interests be in like a, a, a useful way or not, is because mortals have the potential to be more powerful than either demons or devils, or, or angels or devils. They, they have the ability to become Nephilim, and powerful Nephilim can, you know... Odyssean kicked Inarius's butt. Inarius is 
like up there with the Anjuris Council in terms of power. Mm-hmm. Anjuris, when Anjuris can be called an archangel, he is called an archangel several times, and Inarius is up there. And Eldisian, at the end, when Eldisian had access to their full power, beat Inarius while Inarius was using the World Stone. So Inarius, powerful archangel level being, using an artifact of the primordial Anu that can shape and control worlds that he used to create sanctuary in the first place, could not stop Eldisian. And the only reason that we all came out of that one in existence is because Odyssean used his power on the world stone to reset it. Mm-hmm. Odyssean did that, not Anarius. And that's something, the more you think about this, the more you understand why they can't leave Sanctuary alone. They can't keep their work. They, they, they swore a pact, both the angels and the demons swore a pact to leave Sanctuary alone. The pact was maybe 25 seconds you know, in existence when both sides had already broken it. Uh, the, the prime evils immediately came up with the plan to, to get themselves exiled to Sanctuary, and Tyrael immediately formed a group to stop them. Like it, it, you know, they were both basically doing this like as the ink was drying. So it's absolutely possible that Tyrael could decide, you know what, we've we got to like control these things. But I find myself wondering, the Nephilim is not in this game. You are not playing the Nephilim, as far as we know. The character you play isn't, I mean, they're Nephilim in that every human being is, but they're not like, you know, we, we haven't, that's not what they are. They're not that character. We don't know what happened to that character. We don't know what happened to the heroes of Diablo 3. In Diablo 4, that, that is not something that we are aware of. And we know that the angels are not currently visible. Like, Anarius is the only one we get to see so far. And we know that like the the big the big evils are not going to necessarily be around. Duriel and Andariel are the only ones I think of that are confirmed for an appearance. Yes, because we see the new um, new key art for Andariel and confirmation of yeah. that. But in terms of the story for the fifth Diablo game, I don't know that we're going to see a fifth Diablo game for a long time. Keep in mind that it, that this game Diablo three came out in 2012, so it got an 11 year run before Diablo four finally came this year. Uh, Diablo 2 came out in 2000. So Diablo 2's life cycle has lasted them. It's it's in development right now. Now Diablo 2 Resurrected. So Diablo 2 is currently in development right now. And we now have Diablo 4 coming out. Diablo 3 came out and lasted for 11 years. And, and people are still playing it. I mean, I don't know if people will continue to play it when Diablo 4 comes out. But I bet you some people will. You know? Uh, yeah. There's an interesting premise, though, too, story-wise. Oh, no, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Story was, I just wanted to get to. One of the things they've said is that they're going to be doing uh, more content after the initial release. They're going to do seasons, and the seasons are not going to just be like Diablo 3 seasons where it's a theme. They're going to actually have story drops every season. It's going to be kind of like what we're seeing in World of Warcraft right now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of going towards that model. Uh, it's a different kind of live service in that it's not just... Hey, buy this new suit of armor, uh, do this battle pass, but literally Diablo three seasons with story element that advance the story of the game. And we might not even get DLC in the typical manner. We might just keep getting drops of story that way. They, they haven't confirmed anything. So I'm going to let Joe go now because I'm pretty sure he, what he's going to say will touch upon how the story will be coming. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think is, is interesting is Diablo traditionally was, 
story delivery was odd back in the olden days of uh, video game development because the internet wasn't as present, even though Diablo was Diablo two was an online game. You still had a game release. You didn't do patching or things like that, aside from like bug fixes or balances or making occasionally maybe adding a few new things here and there, like rune words or something like that. But you didn't really add anything large to a game. Instead, you shipped an expansion and that expansion expanded the story. And some games had more than one expansion. Diablo three was sort of like in that same nebulous region where it was done in the same aspect of Diablo two, where it had the base game that it had an expansion that came out later, but it didn't necessarily need to do it that way. And one of the questions that I think story delivery has to ask itself is, If you're going to have a game and you want that game to have longevity and the game does care about the lore, which I believe Diablo and World of Warcraft do, do you continue to release expansions or, in the case of Diablo, do you instead adopt a mode or model where you have like the seasons or like content drops like we see in in certain other things, uh, certain other games? And those completely replace expansions for the story. You do the story updates. You have the ability now to release almost like miniature expansions at regular interview intervals to keep the story progressing. And the interesting question about that is, if that is adopted like it seems like they're going to do for Diablo 4, which is honestly really cool if they do, at one point, do you actually need a Diablo 5? Do you need a Diablo 5? Now, maybe if the game engines have to be updated or we get to a certain point. Uh, but again, Diablo 3 has been around for almost 11 years at this point. It's probably a good chunk that we're going to have maybe another 11 years out of Diablo 4. It's not outside of the realm of possibilities. But instead of receiving an expansion five years in or two years in or three years in, if every year or whatever, I'm just picking an arbitrary number a new story content drops that's a miniature expansion that adds new things, whether it's a new zone or new questing or new events or whatever the case is, is that as good or better than saving it for expansions? Personally, I thought I think Diablo as a storytelling vehicle has always lent itself better to an episodic content style delivery, which is why one of the reasons I was super, super upset when we didn't get the Diablo comic because I think it would be really well done in that sort of episodic format. I would like to maybe see the story delivery and where it goes through forward, maybe in that episodic content through Diablo 4. Like Matt said, we don't know if we're going to see Tyrael in Diablo 4. Not at least not at first. But we know that there is definitely a war between at least Anarius and Lilith. And to me, there's zero chance that Tyrael doesn't take notice of that. How he reacts to that and what's going on, how he reacts to the Nephilim, that's a whole other thing. But I could see an episode and like Anarius and Lilith battle. There's this big climactic event. We participate. We do whatever happens. And the end result is what the end result is. And then the next big content release after that, instead of an expansion, is Aftermath. What does that mean for the world? What does that mean for Sanctuary? What does that mean for the High Heavens? What does that mean for the Hells? What does that mean for the Nephilim? And then progressing through, because then now after that, after you start dealing with the aftermath of that, maybe it's dealing with the hells after in, in that in the next section of that. Maybe it's dealing with the high heavens and whatever has been going on up there. Again, Matt pointed out the door shut. We don't know what's going on up there. We don't know if Tyrael is, you know, doing something 
nefarious, and I'm air quoting that, but it would be interesting to see if that was something we didn't have to wait for. And I think that would be really cool because waiting for Diablo's story is the worst part about playing Diablo <laughs> because it takes so long to get the new story content and wait for the new books and wait for the new events and wait for the expansions. If it was fed to me more regularly, I'd be very, very happy. Anything else you want to add to that, Matt? Feel free. I think one thing to keep in mind is that of the various angels, Tyrael is the one who basically kept the Injurious Council from from voting to just wipe out Sanctuary. Uh, they, Inarius, uh, I'm sorry, Imperius wanted to do it. Imperius wanted to wipe out Sanctuary. He considered it an abomination. Uh, Malthiel abstained, and so Imperius was like, "Okay, Malthiel's abstained, but I got, I know that the hope and and faith over there, hope and fate, aren't going to vote to destroy the world because you know they're they're like that. But I know Tyrael's into justice, so he'll vote alongside me. And in a tie, the tie is going to go to me because I'm I'm Imperius, I'm super important. So it, if I just get I just get Tyrael to vote with me, and the whole place will be gone. But but Tyrael said no, it wasn't just." Justice is is inherently a part of Tyrael's nature. Even with him not being the the angel, and he's still bound to the sword, which is the essence of justice. He still is. He embodies that ideal. It's unjust to destroy the world, you know, because you're afraid of what someone might. So that's something to keep in mind as we move. Agreed. But I think that's going to do it for today because we are at time. Uh, do want to thank you for joining us today and remind you that Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means that this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcasts, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and that's free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this podcast or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in to podcasts at blizzardwatch.com. You can also send those into our Discord channels. We have one set aside for our Patreon supporters at Patreon queue and podcast questions, and we do have one set aside for non-Patreon supporters in our just queue and podcast questions. In all cases, please specify the show that it's for. Remember, we do have Lore Watch, Blizzard Watch, and Tavern Watch, which we're going to be doing a lot, I think, a little more frequently now uh, that the new year has started and we're starting to fall into our rhythm. Uh, also, a reminder that we do do live play episodes of uh, various tabletop RPGs on the Tavern Watch uh, imprint, so be sure to check those out. And you can support us by following us and listening to us on Spotify, uh, sharing our content with your friends, uh, and it goes so much more beyond just sitting there and, and giving us money. Don't get free, We like it. It helps keep the lights on, but we appreciate everything you do to help keep us going. So thank you very much, folks. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.